And while I was away, I was reading a story in a local newspaper in Hawaii about a guy who'd gotten sick from the hotel where he was an employee. Um, and he uh, blamed the mold in the building. He developed adult onset asthma and all these allergies that he'd never had before. And uh, it was like my life in reverse. So I, I called my father and, and I said, do you think we had a mold problem at Old Trenton Road? And he just laughed. He said, of course, we have mushrooms in the basement. Why do you ask? Um, typical 70s parent, right? Um, and so, uh, so I said, well, do you think that's what made me sick? And he said, well, it certainly couldn't have helped. And uh, you know, looking back at it now, we had a damp, musty basement. And whenever it rained, the water came through it. And I, I still remember that that heavy feeling when I was down in the basement. So the pieces of the puzzle really came together for me in that instant. You know, it really was one of those aha moments. And I became fascinated with the idea that the buildings we live and work in can make you sick. Welcome to the Brain Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Patrick Porter. Please join us on our mission to better a billion brains. Enjoy the episode and remember to share it with your family and friends. Hello, welcome back to the Brain Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Patrick Porter. And today we have a very special guest, someone we've been speaking on the same stages for years. I finally cornered him and said, hey, we need to get you on the show and tell the Brain Tap Nation about mold and how it's affecting the brain, but it's really affecting every part of the body. And he's gonna to talk today about hidden invaders, understanding mold, and maybe even talk a little bit about parasites and things of that nature that's going on in the body. But really we're talking about the the name of your business has got mold because people don't even realize that, right? So, um, Jason Earl, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? What got you into this business? Because I know as a child, you're laying in bed and you said, man, I want to get into the mold business. So uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about what got you started and, and how you're you're impacting people's health in ways that they can't even imagine because they don't even know it's happening. You know, they're, they're going all over the world trying to get fixed. They go back to their home and they're sitting in mold. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, first of all, uh, thank you very much for for having me. And indeed, it's been a lot of fun uh, being uh, at the conferences with you. And uh, and I've I've, I've uh, really enjoyed your message. Um, it's it's been a real honor, and it's and it's a pleasure to be here. So thank you. Um, so yes, my my story actually does uh, interestingly start when I was about four years old. Uh, I didn't wake up one day and say that I want to be in the mold business, uh, <laughs> but I did wake up one day and I was having a hard time breathing. I had lost a lot of weight over a three-week period, and my parents had uh, been uh, growing increasingly concerned. And so they went to the pediatrician uh, with me, and, and he said, you know, you really need to take him to the hospital. This looks pretty serious. And so uh, we ended up at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, which is a renowned respiratory clinic. And uh, the initial diagnosis based upon the symptoms I was presenting with and my family history was cystic fibrosis. Um, so back then that was a death sentence and my father had lost four of his cousins to CF before the age of 14. So, um, that was their worst nightmare coming true. So, um, thankfully six weeks later, they got a second opinion and, uh, it turns out I don't have CF, didn't have CF, uh, evidenced by the fact that I'm here at 47 years old. Um, rather what I had was asthma compounded by pneumonia. And when they tested me for allergies, uh, I was positive for every single thing that they, they tested me for. So it was grass, wheat, corn, eggs, dogs, cats, even cotton. So my clothes were itchy my whole childhood. And um, when I was about 12 years old, my, my folks split up, which was good for everyone involved. And uh, so I moved out of that, that, uh, that old farmhouse and uh, suddenly all my symptoms went away. Uh, I never had to use an inhaler again and I'm no longer allergic to anything. Um, and so it was one of those things that they just chalked up to spontaneous adolescent remission, uh, which is a, a technical <laughs> term where we have no idea what the hell happened. <laughs> and um, and so uh, so I just moved on with my life. My grandfather had grown out of his asthma. Uh, so it was just one of those things. 
And uh, fast forward a, a, a couple of years later, my mother passed away suddenly um, to, by suicide, actually, which is relevant to the story. Um, and then a year after that, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. And so I missed a lot of school. And uh, so I was essentially forced to drop out. And I ended up taking full-time hours at the gas station uh, to save money. To I was going to get my GED in Star College a year early. Um, but uh, and usually that's where the stories end. But this is this is where the story kind of began. I ended up getting recruited by a, a, a stockbroker uh, who uh, worked on Wall Street, and I he he came through the gas station all the time. And so he he um, recruited me to come be a stockbroker trainee. And so uh, at 16 years old, I started working on Wall Street. Uh, a year later, I ended up with my stockbroker's license, which unknowingly made me the youngest licensed stockbroker in history uh, with a world record total fairy tale. I, I, it was. <laughs> I was, that was not the track I was on. Um, mm -hmm. and I did that for nine years. Um, and towards the end, I became frustrated with the fact that I really wasn't, um, I wasn't scratching a deep itch that my mother had really um, cultivated within me, which is to to contribute to the greater good. Um, and she she was she she gave uh, to a fault, quite frankly. Um, and so uh, so one day I woke up and I wasn't having fun anymore. And I decided to go on walkabout, and so I went traveling. And while I was away. Um, I walked away from, from wall street, completely sold, sold all my stuff and put 20 pounds of, uh, of, uh, ne necessary items in a backpack. And while I was away, I, I was, um, reading a story in a local newspaper in Hawaii about a guy who'd gotten sick from the hotel where he was an employee. Um, and he, uh, blamed the mold in the building. He developed adult onset asthma and all these allergies that he'd never had before. And, uh, it was like my life in reverse. So I, I became fascinated with this. And I so I called my father and, and I said, do you think we had a mold problem at Old Trenton Road? And he just laughed. He said, of course, we have mushrooms in the basement. Why do you ask? Um, typical 70s parent, right? Um, and so uh, so I said, well, do you think that's what made me sick? And he said, well, it certainly couldn't have helped. And, uh, you know, looking back at it now, we had a damp, musty basement. And the, whenever it rained, the water came through it. And I, I still remember that that heavy feeling when I was down in the basement. Um, and, uh, I always felt better when I was outside. So the pieces of the puzzle really came together for me in that instant. You know, it really was one of those aha moments. And I became fascinated with the idea that the buildings we live and work in can make you sick. Uh, it's just a simple idea and it's not news to anybody, most people these days, but back then that was 21 years ago, kind of hard to believe. And, uh, so I, I, I ended up coming, uh, coming to this space from a position of really significant curiosity, um, more than anything else. And so I took a job working for a mold remediation company in the sales side and quickly saw that, that they're, they're, they were really not leaving houses as healthy as they should and ended up deciding to go into the assessment side, um, knowing that one day the industry would be sort of bifurcated between assessment and remediation. Um, and that's where I really got my education. I ended up um, uh, stumbling across the use of mold sniffing dogs, believe it or not, which is just an, brilliant enough to make to seem crazy. Um, but we ended, but but the, my dog Oreo ended up um, teaching me where mold hides, and so we ended up with a, just an, an, an incredible uh, business of healing sick homes, uh, which ended up on lots and lots of national uh, TV. But over the years, I became frustrated with the fact that the the people who really needed us the most couldn't afford. Uh, assessments, professional assessments, which can be a thousand, two thousand dollars or more. Um, so in recent years, we worked hard to to democratize the healthy home through the development of an at home test kit, uh, which we launched about a year and a half ago at gotmold.com. So that brings us to, to where we are today. Right. And, and you've got a special promotion for Brain Tattoo for that. So at, we're going to be talking about that today. So in the show notes will be links. You can get a discount on that. Can you tell us just a little bit about that since you brought it up? I don't want people to be thinking, I don't want to, I mean, we want them to, if they want to go there now and start looking at it. And we're going to, we're going to break down what mold is, what it does to your brain, what it does to your body, 
I mean, you already said a lot of people out there, it seems like everybody's allergic to everything today. So it could be, uh, this could be part of the equation, but tell us a little bit about what they're going to get when they go to your website and how well, they sure. get if yeah, so so we we put together a welcome page for your for your listeners at gotmold.com slash brain tap. And there you'll find an ebook uh which is filled with inspection checklists and and FAQs about mold. So it's really useful for anyone who's new in their in their mold awareness journey. Uh and there's also a coupon code there for anyone who's interested in our test kits. But so the reason that we created the kit, uh, and and we'll get into the importance of mold uh and 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 why why testing is is so important and also why it's so difficult to navigate. Um, but uh, but if you wanted to have your house tested for mold right now, you'd presumably hire a professional. And again, the budget can be an issue for a lot of people. Uh, and if you're renting, it's almost impossible because sometimes the landlord won't even let you or it can even eclipse the cost of your rent. So um, mm -hmm. it, it's the, for those reasons we decided to create a, an affordable at-home kit. So if you wanted to have a professional come over and they did an inspection, at the end of the inspection, they would have identified areas of concern and they will come up with a sampling or a testing strategy. And usually they'll come out with an air sampling pump and, and air sampling cassettes known as spore traps, and they'll they'll test the air. Um, and those those tests are expensive. And uh, and then, you know, there's lots of potential concerns about conflicts of interest with professional inspectors. So what we did is we created an at-home, uh, uh, the same exact method that professionals use, but um, but in a much more consumer-friendly way. So for those of us who are watching, I'm holding an air sampling pump. This duplicates a professional pump exactly, a $1,000 calibrated device. We make ours for a lot less, obviously, and it interfaces with these cassettes, which are the industry standard test devices, uh, again, called sport traps. And they 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 uh, affix on to the pump, which runs for five minutes in each area that you want to sample. Uh, there's an outside sample, which is where we actually understand what's going on in your in your environment, in the area where you live. And then you send them back to us in a prepaid return mailer, kind of like 23andMe, but for mold. Right. So we send you the sample collection kit and then you send it in, in a prepaid mailer. Um, and then uh, within three business days of the lab, they they send uh, the data through our system, and then you get a beautifully formatted um, report, which tells you the types of mold found, in what concentrations, as well as background debris and some other in, other important indicators about uh, indoor air quality, uh, as well as uh, action steps. So how to find an inspector, how to find a remediator in your area. Uh, we have a very strict no conflict of interest policy, so we have nothing else to sell. We're here to provide knowledge and tools uh, to, to help make people uh, make better decisions about their they breathe. Um, but the biggest problem with mold, um, which is really why we created it, is that, quite frankly, testing is cost prohibitive for most people. Um, and so this is not a replacement for a professional inspection. I want to make that clear. Uh, this is a cost effective first step. Right. This is a way for people who are who are, you know, somewhere between the, the, the $20 test kits at Home Depot that don't work and the $2,000 or $1,000 inspections. There's a big, big chasm there. Um, and so what we wanted to do was give people a stepping stone so that they could raise awareness or raise their own awareness about this and then possibly use this as leverage to be able to affect change. You know, engage a, a, a partner who's maybe a little bit re reluctant or skeptical or maybe a landlord or a boss or someone else who's who they need to have sort of buy in or solidarity with as they begin this process of, of uh, recapturing their their health and peace of mind. Yeah, I know there's a lot of people who think, well, my house hasn't been flooded. Uh, I don't think I got mold, I, you know, all these things. What what would you say to somebody about that? I mean, what are the type, typical case studies you see where people get the test kit and they find out, hey, wow, I, I don't I can't believe I got mold, but I got mold. And then they were able to remediated or move or whatever they needed to do what tell me tell us from the beginning how that all works well so you know 
at its essence, mold is a moisture problem, right? A mold mold problem is a moisture problem. And so, but those moisture problems aren't always so obvious. They're not always due to a direct flood or, or an obvious leak. Uh, you can have just ambient high humidity for any, for, for just a few days and end up with uh, a mold problem. In fact, by the time you see mold, uh, it's already been growing for quite some time. Uh, so you, what, what I always say is if you see something, smell something or feel something, do something. Um, and so what we're looking for is not always visible mold. It's actually uh, the signs of moisture. That's the the big, the big clue. Uh, and so that's, you know, staining, uh, discolorations, obviously visible mold, but you know, blistering paint, uh, water bugs, uh, even spider webs. Those are the first clues that you've got an imbalance that can lead to mold growth. And it's important to recognize those things quickly because it only takes 24 to 48 hours for mold to grow. Um, and, and then if you smell something, that's a big deal too, because that's the clear indication that mold is actually growing and that's the metabolism uh, producing that musty smell. Um, and then of course, if you feel something and those are the symptoms that tend to be sort of transient that, that they get better when you leave the house. So a lot of homes don't have the outward manifestation of a flood or a leak. Like I said, some really significant, uh, uh, you know, observable phenomenon that would be like, okay, you have a problem. Uh, but those slight clues can often be the things that you need in order for you to cobble together sort of a hypothesis that we may have something that we need to, 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 uh, to attend to here. When some, besides the fact that like what happened with you with the allergies and things, what are some of the things that somebody sitting there that maybe has tried everything to get rid of some kind of symptoms they have? What are some of the symptoms that might be showing up, uh, especially we, a lot of people call it actually mold brain, you know, that you hear about all the time. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's, it's it's actually really fascinating because I think most people uh, who are sort of new to this think about mold as sort of this upper respiratory thing mostly, right? Sneezing, uh, it you know, uh, asthma, um, you know, coughing, uh, dermal reactions, you know, hives and things like that. Alert upper upper respiratory and allergic, uh, but most mold related illness actually presents as as cognitive impairment, brain fog, really, or mold brain, as you say. Um, and that's actually really uh, the, the the mechanism behind that is poorly understood, um, but it, it looks like uh, the data that's emerging is showing that the musty smell itself is actually probably the operative mechanism, that the exposure to the musty smell, which are VOCs. So anyone who's familiar with volatile organic compounds, man-made VOCs are our, 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 our buildings are riddled with them uh, from the paints and finishes and, and personal care products and cleaning products that we use in our very tight buildings. Um, but microbes, uh, mold and bacteria, when they're growing, also produce VOCs. Um, and those are essentially, if you look at them closely, they look a lot like industrial solvents. Um, and so we know that the, some VOCs like alcohol create you know, uh, cognitive impairment. Uh, and so breathing VOCs uh, will also do the same thing. And, you know, we breathe 13 to 15 times a minute, which comes out to 20,000 times a day. And so you have to look at those 20,000 breaths as doses. And you have to look at them as cumulative because they are, right? We are we are not just breathing air. We're actually consuming it. You know, my, my, uh, my father used to say, buy a filter or be a filter. Um, and I love that because that's essentially what we are. Um, and so so those VOCs can be in the, from the man-made side of things as well. Um, and, and the microbial side can can really do a doozy on your on your immune system as well as your nervous system and your cognition. Um, and so the other thing that happens a lot with mold 
exposure is inflammation, um, which of course also can have an impact on your on your brain and on cognition, right? So it, it mold really affects you in almost every single way. It's it, it hits it, the mycotoxins are multi system, um, the 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 VOCs are multi system, uh, and then of course you know the spores themselves can can trigger a whole cascade of, of responses too. So in essence, uh, there's really no area of health that mold and indoor air quality don't touch. Um, it, it, I, I like to say that the mold is the great interrupter. Um, so the immune system is like a juggler. It can juggle thousands of processes and with, with great elegance. And mold is like a, a guy with throwing baseballs at the juggler. He's going to have to make a decision here or she's mm -hmm. going to, am I going to defend myself from this evolutionary threat or am I going to keep these processes going? And, and, and my experience has been that the immune system drops the balls to protect, the, it drops the basic processes in order to protect itself from the mold. Um, and until that mold gets corrected, most of those processes don't get back up to back up to speed very easily. Mm -hmm. So most people don't realize that mo uh, that all odor has mass. If you can smell it, there's a mass coming in. And so obviously your body is has to process that, like you're saying, in the, um, that's scary if you live next to a, a paper mill or something. You know, <laughs> the, uh, people don't realize that. So Tell us a little bit about uh, like a case study. Let's say that I'm having some issues. I want to I want to get this test kit. I bring it to my home. How easy is it to implement? And um, you said it takes two to three days once we return it back to you to get the information back. Tell me about the process. Sure. So uh, so when you order a kit, uh, all, all shipping is included. Uh, and so you'll generally speaking, uh, get the kit within a couple of days. Uh, we encourage people to to close up their building for two or three days uh, because you don't want to have you don't want to test the outdoor air. You want to test the outdoor air outside. You don't want to test the outdoor inside. So we want to make sure the windows and doors are closed for a couple of days so you get an accurate reading. Um, ideally, you follow the ebook, which gives you the inspection process. So you go through your home and 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 look for areas of concern. You're going to focus on places where you have symptoms, where there's been a history of water damage or odors. So you're looking for musty smells. You're looking for places where there's been any sort of dampness uh, or any indication of dampness. Um, and then, of course, where there's any any uh, known mold, um, you'll collect the outdoor air sample first. Um, and again, that's important as a reference or a baseline because molds are different from time to time, uh, from minute to minute, quite frankly, outside and also from from uh, climate to climate. Uh, and then you'll test in the areas that you've identified during that initial walkthrough. Uh, each sample, again, is five minutes. So we sell one, two, and three room kits. So the maximum you'd be really doing the sampling itself is about 20 minutes. You put everything back in the prepaid mailer, um, and then you ship it off. Now, the the when you get the report, um, we're looking for any indication of, hot, of, of microbial diversity. So in other words, we're looking for different kinds of molds uh, and different concentrations than what we find outside, because that's clearly indicative of mold growth in the building. Um, so in terms of case studies, in terms of the kinds of people that typically use this, obviously anybody is presenting with symptoms, uh, but a lot of people do this for peace of mind. You know, we have a lot of expectant moms that are using our kit that are sort of test their nest. Um, we've got uh, obviously people that are, have, you know, acute concerns about, you know, asthma, COPD, you know, significant upper respiratory. Um, but but the vast majority of people who are, who are doing this have a slight inclination. They've got a like a sneak 
sneaking suspicion that something is going on. And usually what's happening is a couple of people are presenting with some symptoms in the home. Uh, and there's usually one sort of more, the, the most sensitive person who's got the most significant uh, issues. Uh, but what's interesting is that you may have five people living in a house and they all have five different symptom profiles. Um, and, uh, and, and some of the most common ones are sort of an exacerbation of, uh, of actually an autoimmune disorder that may not have been, uh, an issue before, right? Uh, some th things percolate to the, to the, to the surface, um, uh, that, 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 that seem new or, or, or disconcerting. Um, so, uh, the, uh, in terms of the, the way that data is then interpreted, uh, what we're looking for is uh, obviously any sort of imbalance. We're going to hone in on the source of the moisture. So if, in fact, there is anything that's unusual, the second step there is to identify where the moisture is coming from, whether it's from a leak or whether it's from high humidity or a combination thereof. Um, and then if that's beyond your ability to uh, to identify yourself, that's when we generally recommend that you engage the service of a professional to help do that diagnostic. Again, the test kit's not designed to be a replacement for it. It's designed to be able to give you a safe and affordable way to take that to take that first step, uh, gather some information, and be able to plan out uh, plan out your approach. I know on your website, uh, gotmold.com, you can go there. You have a learning center. They a lot of different information in there. Some of the things that come to mind uh, when I went there and kind of did some research just on my own, because we always have people having problems like it really amazed me. You have something there about Lyme disease and mold. So tell me a little bit about what mold does. To, if somebody already has maybe a, some kind of immune deficiency, uh, what's happening in their body at that point? Well, you know the the relationship between Lyme and mold is is also somewhat poorly understood. Except, it, it, but the 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 general um, uh, belief around this is that it has to do with an overload of biotoxins uh, in the body, and and certain people have a difficulty uh, releasing those toxins. Uh, there's a genetic um, uh, mutation, MTHFR. A mutation that that uh, may affect as much as twenty five percent of the population that that inhibits this detoxification process, and so uh, and there's also some some um, some research pointing to the idea of antibiotics, which are by the way mycotoxins or endotoxins in most cases, very concentrated pills of that are produced by these microbes, um, that they may be triggering a sensitivity to mold as well. But what happens is. Lyme patients tend to have a disproportionately high sensitivity to mold exposure, and also tend people with chronic mold exposure uh, and and mold sickness tend to uh, uh, end up with chronic Lyme symptoms if they have Lyme, um, and so it's it's sort of a Venn diagram, uh, if you will, um, and so. Uh, so it, it's it, it, who knows why these things tend to magnetically attract each other. Um, it certainly feels that way, especially when you talk to the limeys and the moldies. Uh, they kind of feel as if they're being targeted here. Um, but but what it, what it comes down to is uh, the, the this sort of overload uh, or what people call the allostatic load, this toxin load that builds up within within us, um, and then uh, and then mold or the lime tends to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Um, and so until you 
get out of that moldy environment, which is the thing you can control in that in, in, in that scenario. The, the the get until you get to a clean environment, what happens is people just generally don't get much better. Um, th this tends to really bog them down. And the irony of it is that these this combination of symptoms or this combination of 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 uh, uh, of afflictions tends to keep people in their home um, and in in the very place that's making them sick. So it takes an extraordinary amount of effort uh, to be able to get out of that environment to find a, a place where they can allow their body to find equilibrium. And then, uh, and then be able to hopefully be, process these things in a, in a in a way that doesn't require professional intervention. But oftentimes, uh, it, it takes the care of a functional uh, practitioner, a functional medical practitioner, who can help coax those toxins out of the body. But in all cases, the key element to this is the people until they get their environment straight. And I would also argue their diet straight because there's a, the the data around mycotoxins in food. Is is very strong. Up to sixty to eighty percent of imported grains are contaminated with mycotoxins, and and conventional meats and dairy are also loaded with mycotoxins because these animals are fed moldy grains. So so if you really were to look at it, you'd say you've got to get your air and your food straight. Um, and then I would also say attitude because uh, the, the, there's a lot of fear around this, and I've also never seen anybody get better when they're when they're really scared about the subject, right? So there's air, food, and attitude. Um, and and those things are, are are each one of them is sort of a heavy lift, um, but but that's sort of the path that I've seen uh, for for the Lyme and mold patients that that tends to work. Yeah, one of the things in your learning site, and there's a lot of information there. You need to go to gotmold.com, check out their their learning center. But you had an article in there that I thought was pretty amazing. Uh, because a lot of people think, well, I'm going to go to the store, I'm going to get some some kind of biocide, I'm going to go get something to kill this mold off. And you actually have an article in there that says, say no to this. Tell me, you know, uh, there are a lot of neat freaks out there or people who are maybe a little scared of mold and they're maybe contaminating their environment by trying to clean it. So tell us a little bit about that. And what What's the process? Because, you know, there's always those people out there that think they have a better way because the they can go buy the mold killer or whatever it is, you know, the different things. And you have a whole article about it. So tell us, maybe summarize that for us here. Yeah. So, so mold remediation, the definition is remedy, uh, which means to actually fix or to cure. Um, and so remediare in Latin is where remediation comes from. And the 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 cure to mold the cure to mold is actually moisture control. So the first step is to fix the moisture. Always, always, always. Otherwise, you're just going to be. It's like you got to turn off the water before you start mopping up the floor. Um, mm -hmm. And so, uh, so that's first. And then remediation, according to the industry standard and best practices, it means to remove the affected building materials, and then to clean the affected surfaces in the air in the areas. Uh, where where the mold is identified. So um, killing mold actually doesn't do anything except for to add a step and to add a toxin to the environment. Even if you're using quote unquote natural uh, killer, you're still leaving behind dead mold and dead mold is still allergenic and potentially toxigenic. Uh, and so the purpose of remediation is to actually reduce the fungal load to an acceptable level, uh, not to uh, destroy it or kill it. So anytime you see air purifiers or air cleaners that have kill claims, uh, those are also not recommended. Anytime you see anything where they're talking about they're just going to kill or annihilate or zap or whatever, they, you know, there's all these shortcuts around mold. Uh, and that's why they're made is because they're very lucrative, these shortcuts, but they're completely 
ineffective. And what's interesting also is that if you if, if the mold is a toxic toxigenic mold, which means that it produces these very potent chemical toxins that it uses to inhibit the growth of other microbes in its area, right? So these are very competitive organisms. Um, if you spray a mold killer onto one of the toxigenic species, the data on this is fascinating. It produces more toxins. It fights back. Um, so if you're really worried about mold, the last thing you want to do is is try to fight it with it. You know, it's got better chemicals. It's got a lot more time on its hands and it's been doing this for a while. Um, so so and the other thing is that a lot of these chemicals that are being used, even again, even the natural ones, there's one that's made with thyme oil, which smells just like we'd imagine. It smells like thyme, uh, the herb. Um, it leaves behind, they often leave behind residues. Uh, some of them are hormone modulators, but some of them have a very potent odor that does not go away. And so I've had homes that get remediated where the the mold has been removed, but the lingering odor from the remediation uh, chemicals actually makes the home unlivable. So they just went from out of the frying pan into the fire. So, uh, so there's really no need to kill mold. There's no need to use any sort of chemicals during remediation. It's very counterintuitive. This is exactly the opposite of what you'll find in 99% of your web searches. But this is what the, this is the, this is this is how it's been articulated in the industry standard and best practices, and it's something that we adhere to very closely. That's great. Well, at BrainTap here, when we look at how many times people listen to sessions on our app, which we have 2,000 of them, then in the top 10 is always sleep. Sleep seems to be a big issue. And you wrote a whole article about, hey, uh, what's going on in the bedroom? You know, with two thirds of the world not sleeping well, it could be a mold problem. So tell us a little bit about what your solution is for helping people sleep better. You have a whole, and if they want to read the whole article, of course, it's there on your website. But I, I thought that was a good um, piece of information as well. So maybe you can share some of that with the listeners. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, so the, the funny thing about mold symptoms uh, is that, it, it affects the entire spectrum. So we have people who can't sleep because of mold exposure. Um, they're just, they experience some tremendous insomnia, uh, night terrors. This is what happens to me. If I go to a moldy hotel, uh, if that musty, if there's a musty smell, I have the worst nightmares all night. And it's just, it, it's, it's unbelievable that there's other people that can't get out of bed. Um, they, they, they can't get enough sleep. So it's, it's the entire spectrum. And so, uh, so we, we have, a, a an entire sort of, uh, list of, of, of suggested recommendations for how to have a healthy bedroom. Of course, you want to make sure that you're controlling moisture. Mold is a moisture problem. So you want to keep your humidity in the safe zone between 40 and 60%. Uh, that means you're going to get digital humidity gauges and keep them there. So that also means that you're not humidifying a room without knowing it, right? A lot of people humidify just because it's wintertime or because they think it's dry, but you really shouldn't modify what you don't quantify. So you shouldn't be dehumidifying or humidifying unless you actually know what's going on. The other thing that's really, really helpful uh, for a healthy bedroom is getting a great air purifier. And again, not one that's got kill claims or that zaps or destroys molds or, or, or bacteria or anything like that. What you want is a really great filter which means that a fan is inside and blows air through a filter, air through a medium. And so the most important uh, qualities is that they have to either be HEPA or ULPA. Uh, and so high efficiency particulate resins, which is 99 and three quarters percent of all particles. And then uh, ULPA goes to 0.1 microns. So very, very small, like atmospheric dust. So the filtration that takes out the particles, that's first. And then you also wanna make sure that you have enough carbon in those filters. So there's 
there's the particle filter, and then there's the carbon. The carbon takes out the VOCs. It takes out odors and gases, man-made and microbial. Um, and so units that we really like a lot, I love Medify Air, I love uh, Air Doctor, and I love uh, Jasper. Uh, those three units, those three companies produce uh, air filters that have plenty of carbon and that are very effective at, at removing particles. And then you also end up with, uh, you know, the benefit of having a little bit of white noise in the bedroom, which tends to be useful for people that are having uh, sleep issues. And of course, you know, I don't need to tell anyone who's listening to your podcast, you got to make sure it's nice and dark. Uh, you want to get that, get that, you know, make sure your light is, is taken care of. But the most important thing also, uh, I would say, is to minimize carpet in a bedroom. Um, I know everyone wants to have a warm, you know, the warm cozy, um, but but carpet harbors dust uh, and dust and moisture together is what produces dust mites, which are the enemy of good sleep, uh, as well as uh, as well as the potential for mold growth. And if you have your own business, you can even do these kits in your business, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be your home. Yeah, we have a lot of people that use them. We have a lot of teachers that use them in their schools because they can't get the schools to do the testing. So, you know, they 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 risk their 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 um, their job, quite frankly, to do that. But you know, they're also risking their lives teaching in a in a moldy moldy school. Um, so, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that my mother uh, uh, took her own life when I was when I was a kid, and uh, and that that was relevant. And so, I didn't I didn't start to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Um, uh, until the 2008 study, which is what the Brown University um, study that you mentioned, which they, they had 6,000 participants and they asked them essentially, do you have a mold or moisture problem of significance? And then also, how are you feeling? They kind of a quality of life questionnaire with them. And they found a very strong correlation between mold and dampness indoors and depression. Now they stopped short of being able to say whether there was a causal relationship because that wasn't the purpose of the study. Um, but they did Proposed that there might be some disempowerment there, right? Someone who knows they have a mold problem, haven't been able to fix it. That's pretty. That's pretty disempowering. Uh, but then they also posed the, the question: you know, is there a causal link? Is there a chemical or a biological re, re, uh, relationship? Um, 2015, I became friends with Dr. Joan Bennett, who's a fungal geneticist uh, at Rutgers University, and she had developed her own. Uh, she 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 had. Um, had her own mold-related uh, illness because she had a house down in New Orleans that got flooded during Katrina. And she walked into this into this this blood stricken home, which she called a fungal utopia, uh, wearing a respirator, uh, just an N95 respirator, a particle respirator, not one of the, not not a not a vapor mask. And she was um, hit with the musty smell so strongly um, that she ended up having to leave the building a few times um, to get to get some some air, and then eventually just just abandon it and said, "I'm not going to do this anymore." But she, and she was so sickened by it uh, and so surprised by the fact that she had been so sickened by it that she went back and began studying the musty smell. And uh, she she uh, she started testing um, these really nifty fruit flies that actually fluoresce when they produce dopamine, which is kind of cool and it's amazing what you can buy online. Mm -hmm. um, and she began testing the musty smell on these fruit flies, and she found that they stopped producing dopamine. They stopped reproducing. They fly down and set it to the light, which is their instinctive nature. Uh, they developed Parkinsonian-like symptoms, which is pretty fascinating, uh, and uh, locomotor disorder. And eventually, uh, in subsequent studies, they found uh, that, they, that the musty smell developed uh, that they developed uh, mitochondrial damage. And so uh, she she has um, proposed that we now call these chemicals these the that comprise the musty smell volatoxins instead of volatile organic compounds. 
um, because they're neurotoxic. And, uh, and so the, the, the data points that are starting to emerge from Brown University and Dr. Joan Bennett's work are starting to show that you know, this epidemic of anxiety and depression as well as, of course, the brain fog and 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 uh, emotional dysregulation. You know, mold rage is a thing. Um, you know, people people find themselves just like disproportionately reactive when they're living in these environments. Um, and the the evidence points to exposure to the musty smell. So, you know, there's three things you can do with an air quality problem. So what do you do? So first of all, source control, and that's remediation, right? So uh, that's not always possible or practical. Uh, you know, budget can be a major issue. You may not be in control of the building if you're renting, uh, but that's the ideal situation, source control or relocation, right? That's number one. Number two is you can dilute, bringing fresh air from outside, right? You can open the windows and sort of ventilate this place out. And again, if it's too hot, too cold, or too humid, that may not be possible or practical, but there are energy recovery ventilators and mechanical um, air exchange systems that can be installed called ERVs and HRVs, which can be really helpful for stuff like this. And also are useful if you've got a VOC problem, like in a new construction or a newly renovated building where you have that new house smell. That, by the way, that new house smell is toxic. People equate that to this, this, you know, I've arrived. When I smell that, I smell autoimmune disease. I smell cancer. <laughs> You know, um, and so the same thing with a new car smell, you know, I mean, we, we have we have positively associated this stuff like Pavlov's dogs. Um, and yet the, the reality is we have trained ourselves to attribute success to this. And this is this is the wrong the, this is the wrong um, uh, stimulus and response. Um, and so so the, the third thing you can do with an air quality problem is you can filter the air. Um, and filtering the air means having the right kind of filter that will take out the pollutants, as I described earlier. Mold produces toxin, the, the VOCs, which are gases, and it produces the, the spores, which are particles. On the spores, you'll find, uh, if there's toxigenic species, you'll find some toxins. But the mycotoxins themselves don't become airborne as easily as, as people think. But the bottom line is a great air purifier is your best defense in terms of buying time and reducing exposure if you've got an air quality issue. Um, the, the thing is, I must emphasize that it does not solve the problem. If you live in a moldy place, if there's a mold or moisture problem significance and you're using air purifiers, look at them as a way to buy time to get you to the point where you can actually do the remediation or relocate, not as a substitute for either one of those. Right. Hopefully I haven't scared you too much here today, but but we want to know, you want to know if something's happening. And if you're still confused, remember, you can go to gotmold.com forward slash brain tap. You can download a free book, How to Find Mold in Your Home. And I recommend you download that. Do, do a little research on your own and then order that kit. They're not very expensive. I mean, that's, I mean, geez. And you have a discount coupon there that you can use the the coupon with brain tap and you can get it get set up see if that's a problem you have if you don't have any problems then you're probably fine but a lot of times people will walk in their home if your nose starts running as soon as you get home that's probably a pretty good sign you're having an allergic reaction to your own home you know a lot of people do that or if you have a lot of phlegm buildup when you're around you know those are things your body is trying to tell you something and just suppressing it isn't going to help but we're coming to the end of the podcast here today. This has been great information, Jason. But what have I forgot to ask you, or what do you want to reinforce for BrainTap Nation to know about this question? Do you got mold? Well, what I will say is this in, in, in closing. Uh, we live in a world where we have very little control over most things. 
if you're honest, and it's hard for the type A people here listening to this, but the reality is we have very little control. And especially when you're talking about the outdoor environment, which we all should be worried about, but we can do very little about. We can't control China or Russia or India or any of these other, even if we do a great job here, it's still, this is, this is, this is, a, this is a big world here and there's a lot of, mm -hmm. a lot of participants. But the indoor environment is an area where you have an enormous potential for control. I mean, it is it, it you you have this this unique opportunity to control the 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 air you breathe. And again, you know, you thirteen to fifteen times a minute, twenty thousand times a day, it comes out to about two thousand gallons, which is enough to fill a swimming pool. That's about thirty pounds of air. And if you do the math on that, that's that's seven or eight times as much food or water that you drink. It's your single largest environmental exposure, but it's hiding in plain sight, right under the tip of your nose. And so, so my suggestion is to is to, my my purpose here is to raise awareness about this, so that people begin seeing air as the as the, as this crucial thing that it is. This is our water, right? Um, if we were fish, this is our water. And so, uh, you know, Oliver Wendell Holmes once said that a mind stretched by a new idea never regains its original dimensions. And so, I I hope everyone listening to this can't, can't unsee this. That's my wish here today. Right. Well, I think you've done your job. Uh, if you've listened this far through the podcast, they're obviously going to go to gotmold.com, do some more research. It's a problem out there bigger than you think. It's probably in more homes than anyone could imagine because they're they're making our homes so they don't breathe anymore. They're sealed up. So once it's sealed in, it's like just a uh, it's like one of those ant colonies where you watch the ant farm. You know, it's just happening inside our house. And we need to do something about that to get our house breathing again or get them get them cleaned out. I recommend that you get to gotmold.com forward slash brain tap. Do a little more research for yourself, especially if you've tried everything else and you're having nagging problems, especially as it has to do with your immune system, which right now you don't want to mess with. We want to have a really strong, powerful immune system. And this is one of those things. It's almost like having mercury fillings. Back in the back in the day, people thought that was just crazy. No, but nothing's going on. If they start to leak, obviously, if they're sealed off, just like mold, if it's if it's sealed and it's not, you're not breathing it in, then you're going to be a problem. But the problem is that mold doesn't know how to stay in its place. It's going to go wherever it wants to go. It's going to grow. So go to gotmold.com forward slash brain tap. Do some research. Get the free book. I mean. Do some reading, do some research, look around your home. And if it looks like you need that kit, you've got a discount coupon. Let's get your home healthy, get your brain healthy. And Jason, I want to thank you for spending some time here. I know that you're a busy man out there um, making people aware of this problem. I'm sure a lot of people, when you're walking around the events and you got the T-shirt on that says got mold, people are wondering, what in the heck is this guy talking about? You know, but, but I appreciate what you're doing because being in the neuroscience world, a lot of times it's one of the first tests we tell people they've got to go out and look because you want to get rid of the environmental toxins. You can't just think your way to being healthy if you're constantly being bombarded, because like you said, the mold doesn't care. It's going to be there spewing its spores and doing its gases. And it's just, you know, it's got evolution on its side and you're sitting there trying to fight it when you don't have to fight it. You can. And I love the fact that you don't have to kill it with all of these different other things that are that are also just as toxic, you know, or maybe even I didn't know that they were more toxic when I read that. I'm like they they actually start to fight. I mean, these molds have an intelligence. So, you know, do the research, find out if you've got mold in your home. If you have it in your 
home, then you probably have it in your brain. And we want to clear that out. Your body is designed to heal. Your brain is designed to heal. But we need to get rid of the environmental toxins. And the same way you might look at EMF and protecting yourself or getting enough sunshine or grounding, this is a big factor. This is something you can do. Like Jason was saying, you have control over the air in your own home. So again, Jason, thank you for being on the Brain Fitness Podcast, bringing people hope and health through remediation and getting their mold put into place and getting their air. Air is important, guys. I mean, we talk about all the time, breathing techniques are part of brain tap, but you don't want to be doing breathing techniques in a mold-filled environment. You're just exacerbating the problem. So we want to get the brain healthy, get your body healthy, get your life healthy. So again, Jason, thanks for being on the, on the podcast today. Thank you, Dr. Porter. All right, tune in and anyone you know that is uh, maybe having some issues that, that are unexplainable, I can tell you I have met so many people over the years that unexplainable problems and they found out it was something as simple as mold. Once they remediated that mold, their body started to heal because it's designed to do that. So let's take this one off the list. Please like and share, get this out to as many people as you can. Get them to use the code, get them to go there and get that free book. Let's help the world become mold free and get people healthy again. So again, tune in to the next Brain Fitness Podcast where we're giving you tips and tricks to improve your brain and your life through physical, mental, and spiritual practices. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on our mission to better a billion brains. Follow at Dr. Patrick Porter on social media for updates and remember to practice brain fitness every day.